This episode of the Supply Chain Brain Podcast is supported by Purelater International, a leading provider of integrated freight, package, and logistics solutions in and between Canada and the United States. Be sure and stick around after the discussion for a look at the company and what it offers to global businesses. But now, on to the podcast. A reminder to U.S. shippers, Canada is, as it turns out, a separate country. Hi, everybody. I'm Bob Bowman, Managing Editor of Supply Chain Brain, and this is a Supply Chain Brain podcast. It's easy, I suppose, to underestimate the logistics of crossing the border between the U.S. and Canada. There are no geographic barriers, after all. Language, for the most part, isn't an issue, and proximity provides the illusion of easy access. But shipping to and from Canada is just like dealing with any other sovereign nation, with all of the procedural red tape and logistical considerations that accompany it. What's more, Canada has its own unique set of concerns, including the challenge of serving the world's second largest country in terms of physical size. All the more reason why companies need to educate themselves about managing their Canadian supply chains. On the program today, I speak with Frank Giacchetti, Director of U.S. Districts with Purelater International. He fills us in on the fine points of serving the Canadian market, including the state of last-mile logistics and the requirements of the new U.S.-Mexico-Canada trade agreement. So here is my conversation with Frank Giacchetti. Frank Giacchetti, welcome to the show. Hello, Bob. It's good to be here. I want to talk about the issue of shipping in Canada, especially parcels and the like, and I want to start by asking you what you believe to be some common misperceptions or misconceptions that people have about that exercise. It's funny. It's really common that companies put Canada and bulk it into their domestic operations. Now we're talking about U.S. companies. The Canadian border is a real thing, and clearing customs is often more complicated when going into Canada than going to uh, other locations globally. Having a partner that can really understand that piece and understand that Canada is a very complex country to enter into, but once you know those rules and regulations and the how-tos, those complexities, it can really help improve your strategies going into Canada. What kind of changes have you seen in this regard with the formation of the U.S.-Mexico-Canada agreement replacing NAFTA? Has that caused any changes or things we need to know about? far, for the most part, it's been related to a few sectors of industry and related to tariff changes. Keeping a close watch on where the U.S. and other governments internationally are going for, because tariffs are a way to protect businesses within the home market. So understanding where those changes are on both sides of the border has been really key. So we've seen it in certain economic sectors in the U.S., and it has cause exports to be mitigated because of increased tariffs. 
so when, in this case, Canadian consumers are buying U.S. product, it's more expensive because of Canadian tariffs being applied to that specific product. But for the most part, it's been fairly stable. You've just seen it in a few different industries. Yeah, a lot of it seems to be cosmetic in nature, mostly with regard to the physical nature of shipping. But I guess it's still good to have a heads up to understand that there is a new agreement in place. What are some opportunities that companies can avail themselves of to improve their Canadian supply chains, to speed up ground services and the like, to overcome some of the potential obstacles that might exist that arise from a misunderstanding or a lack of full understanding of what it takes to ship in Canada? What are some of those opportunities for improvement? Certainly looking at the vendors that are out there that specialize in service is really key. Expecting efficiencies is something that we want our customers to push us towards. It used to be where four days into Canada was acceptable, and now the market is demanding much closer, tighter tolerances in times in transit to the point where if somebody orders something online, that person may be tracking that a few hours afterwards just to see that progress. So not just in time and transit, but in technology, making sure we bridge that gap for the information available to our customer and our customer's customer has really become key. And then matching that with best-in-class transit times is really critical. So customers are becoming more demanding, and it's not just in the typical B2B space that we're accustomed to, but now we're seeing customers on the B2C side really tasking companies like Purolator and other companies to get quicker transit times. What kind of experience can they expect to have at the border these days? My understanding is, and a lot of people just assume that over the years, U.S. Customs and Canadian Customs have reached some kind of agreement between them that expedites the movement of packages in both directions. Is that not the case? I mean, are there some bureaucratic considerations that you need to keep into account when you're moving from one customs agency to the next as you cross the border? Absolutely, because customs is a complex entry going into Canada or the U.S., or any other country worldwide, there's governmental agencies that are called other governmental departments that have a stake in the customs clearance process. So that's what we're seeing now, and in particular, going northbound from the USA into Canada, the Canadian Food Inspection Agency. We have found a slowdown in our clearances because of the additional clearance that they're required to do for certain product types, in this case, food products. Navigating through that has really been important that we connect with the CFIA and have our brokerage division do those entries in a way that fits that entire process has really been critical in a way to expedite that customs clearance process. Why is it important to register as an NRI, a non-resident importer? What benefits does that bring? To describe that in a simple way, when a U.S. company is an NRI, you're behaving as the importer and exporter. So as a non-resident importer, of course, a, a U.S. shipper would be the exporter of the goods. And then as the importer, you're responsible for the duties and taxes payable to the host country, in this case, Canada. But that simplifies the process. There's a lot of Canadian business entities that require their U.S. partner to be an NRI. If they don't have residency, in Canada, which it could be an expensive proposition to put up a Canadian division. So for those companies that decide not to have residency in Canada, it's a real efficient way to sell into the Canadian market. And it's one that the Canadian market demands oftentimes that they will only do business with an NRI 
company because it does indeed simplify the whole export process. We often hear about the advantages of duty drawback, but a lot of times it seems to be connected more with trading partners that are much more distant than Canada, across an ocean, for instance. But I take it that with Canada, there are substantial duty drawback opportunities there as well. Tell me about how that works. Indeed. Duty drawback is really a critical component for companies to consider because oftentimes money is left on the table by not applying for duty drawback and foregoing the monies available for a return product. So we're talking about duty drawback. It's when uh, there's a shipment into Canada and it's returned back to the U.S. There has to be an official declaration that the product has been returned. Once that's done, the shipping entity or whoever was listed as the importer record can get that duty back. And a process that you would be looking for is one that is automated through Credits Canada. And that could be a real great source of income that large companies bypass in the future because they didn't consider the importance of a duty drawback program. NAFTA, of course, mandated certain local content requirements in order to qualify for preferential treatment under NAFTA, and I'm assuming that the U.S.-Mexico-Canada agreement does the same, if not even toughens up on those content requirements a little bit. How should importers and exporters approach the whole subject of demonstrating that their products have the sufficient local content to qualify for preferential treatment under the trade agreement? The recommendation we give is really use the resources that are available to you. The U.S. government supplies NAFTA consultation. There's a NAFTA division that specifically handles questions from commerce along the lines of NAFTA consideration. We know the complexities that goes with manufactured goods, and there's a lot of different components that come from different areas. But at some point, depending on the work done within a NAFTA qualifying country, that could become a U.S. product. So getting guidance from the NAFTA agency is really critical uh, along those lines to ensure that there's no issues downstream when exporting those goods. Now, 80% of Canada's population resides in urban centers, but there is a substantial number of people who live in remote outlying rural areas that can be extremely hard to reach. Can you talk about what are some of the challenges there and how those can be overcome? So Canada, as you know, is the second largest country in the world, and few companies have invested in a network to service Canada coast to coast. What we've seen is more regionalized pockets of shipping companies servicing localized markets. So finding the right supplier to service all of Canada is critical. What do companies need to know about the possibility of maintaining inventory, this is would be U.S. companies shipping to Canada, maintaining inventory in Canada, balancing the considerations and the complications of cost versus the need to be near and just-in-time basis to their destinations. Give us some guidance on that question of what are some of the challenges of maintaining inventory in Canada. Sure. When you think about North America as a whole, 90% of inventory or consumption in North America is going to be in the United States. Many companies have understood the cost of carrying inventory within Canada has been quite expensive to their bottom line. So a lot of our clients actually have closed facilities in Canada and centered their inventory out of one strategic resource in the U.S., and that has been very cost-effective. And that helped them avoid the duplicity of inventory carrying costs, facility costs, and just overall cost of obsolescence of the inventory. Now, we do have Canada Post to consider. Tell me what are some of the pluses and minuses of using Canada Post. 
by law, Canada Post is mandated to reach every Canadian consumer. So every Canadian postal code is covered by Canada Post. So their network reach is amazing, even surpasses PureLater in terms of delivering to consumers in certain geographic areas. So having that partner that can deliver to every consumer has really been key. Canadian consumers, on average, live within three kilometers of their closest post office. And that's really critical when looking at return solutions and other solutions rather than deliver to home. More and more consumers are opting for a deliver to post office solution that even make delivery more convenient for that individual. Now, in the age of e-commerce, of course, the importance of last-mile services becomes greater than ever before. What is the state of last-mile in Canada? I assume that it's probably pretty sophisticated at this point, is it? It is. So finding that key last-mile provider that meets the customer expectations is critical. Within Canada, there's things similar to the U.S., white-glove delivery, weekend deliveries, evening deliveries, ensuring that the product arrives at the right time at the right place in the right condition has really become critical. And uh, I would say over the past five years with the e-commerce revolution, customers are asking for all those services at a lower price point than ever before. So making sure that you have the right network that's running at optimum efficiencies has really become critical. Now, I just want to circle back to what you were talking about at the beginning of our conversation, the realization that shipping to Canada is, in fact, an international move. It's not just another state of the United States, and companies need to reflect that in the organization of their logistics departments. Therefore, I assume that would mean they would have a domestic logistics department, they would have an international one. And yet it could be difficult coordinating those two, especially when you're talking about shipping to Canada. Is that a challenge for companies today? And do you have tips as to how companies can achieve that internal coordination between domestic and international when it comes to shipping to Canada? Absolutely. It really could be a daunting task to take on, but there's help. Most companies offer free consultation in working with the complexities of clearing the border. The first step really is to seek out that consultation rather than develop an international compliance department. A good first step is to talk to their free resources, trade embassies. Even the United States has sophisticated channels of helping commerce that can offer free consultation to those companies looking for it and then making the right move. And eventually, if their business grows enough, having an export compliance department can really help eliminate any issues at the border. Frank, tell me a little bit about PureLater International and its expertise in Canada, a little bit about the history of the company and how it came to become a major player in that area. Well, PureLater as itself within Canada has been incorporated since 1960. And then around 1998, we reincorporated in the U.S. And since then, we have seen double-digit growth throughout the course of our history. And in large part, that had to do with Canadian companies that needed a resource in the U.S. Oftentimes, when distribution centers retracted in Canada and they needed to move that product from the U.S., they needed a supplier who can do that in the way they were accustomed to. So that really has been the growth of PureLater. It started with one office with a few individuals in the U.S., and now I'm happy to say that we have 30 branch offices in the U.S. And again, that I don't see any end in sight with that double-digit growth because of the way we operate with our strategic partners with Canada Post, PureLater, and then a host of variety of transportation partners. PureLater really is the most efficient way 
to get product to, from, and within Canada. How has your service offering expanded or improved over the years that Purolator has been in existence? What kinds of new services, additional services have you come to offer the marketplace? So our core product has been always our courier product, which is the largest delivery network within Canada. That's Purolator both express and ground. But as the market evolved and e-commerce came around, PureLater needed to expand that offering. And that's where we developed PuroPost. It was a strategic venture with our parent company, Canada Post, to develop the best of both worlds for forwarding product into Canada and the optimum last mile experience for the Canadian consumer. And that's when we came up with PuroPost. And then other clients were asking us for the fastest means to get product delivered. And this was more on the business-to-business side. And that's where we launched our expedited forwarding department. We can ship everything globally on an expedited basis, whether it's hand-delivered to somebody across the globe or an expedited part that has to get delivered for a manufacturing process that's down. PureLater can handle that piece and deliver, again, at the right place at the right time in the right condition. We talked earlier about last mile, but PureLater, by the very definition of what it does, is essentially a last mile provider from the word go, isn't it? I mean, you do deliver all the way to the door. Absolutely. Yeah. In fact, we cover 98% of delivery points within Canada, which, again, no other U.S. company can say that. A lot of companies use our network to deliver that last mile. So we pride ourselves in ensuring that we eliminate pass-offs because anytime there's a pass-off to another agent, that is complexities within your supply chain and that's where problems arise. So difficult to predict what's going to happen in the future in terms of customer demand, regulation demand, the state of trade between the U.S. and Canada. But what do you think the future holds? What do you think is the most exciting thing out there in the future with regard to Purolator and what it expects to be offering the marketplace in the coming months and years? First and foremost, we are the premier Canadian brand and our U.S. team is a team really of Canadian commerce experts. One of the biggest trade relationships in the world is between U.S. and Canada. And we have the resources locally for U.S. consumers to help U.S. companies not just get into Canada, but compete with Canada with some premier organizations. That's what's really exciting to me, making sure that commerce, that we're there not just to ship product cross-border, but help our customers excel and ultimately ship more product. That's the first point. And then expanding globally is something that you'll see Purolator do. It'll be on an inbound basis where we're the leader in offering solutions from, say, Asia and the EU, perhaps Australia, inbound into Canada. And then we'll take it from there. But just that alone is really exciting how Owning Canada, both from an inbound and outbound perspective, is really critical to who Purely is going to be now and in the future. Frank Giacchetti, I want to thank you so much for joining us, telling us a little bit about the ins and outs and the real experience of shipping to and from Canada, and also telling us a little bit about Purelater International as well. Thank you very much for being with us today. Bob, it was a pleasure. It was an honor. Thank you very much. That was my conversation with Frank Cicchetti of Purolator International, talking about the challenges of shipping to, from, and within Canada. 
Our thanks to Purelater for sponsoring this episode. We're online at www.supplychainbrain.com and repost a new episode of this podcast for streaming or downloading every Friday. You can also read my Think Tank blog, watch thousands of videos, and access all of our other content, including the digital edition of our magazine. Look for us on Facebook and LinkedIn, and follow us on Twitter, at SCBrain. You can also download or subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Got any comments or suggestions on this or any episode? Email me at rbowman at supplychainbrain.com. See you next time.